RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. This episode of Mission Log Live is brought to you by the Eagle Moss Shop, home of official Star Trek collectibles, including rare and highly prized Starship models from all Star Trek TV series and related productions. Use the promo code MissionLog for 10% off your order at shop.eaglemoss.com slash USA slash MissionLog. You've come back for more, have you? Well, that's fine, because we got more to give. It's Mission Log Live. I'm Ken Ray. And I'm John Champion. Tuesday night at 7 o'clock Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern, that's when we get together to talk Trek and Trek-related topics. This week, we're headed to Deep Space Nine, getting a tour from someone who lived there. Aaron Eisenberg, TV's Nog, will be here talking DS9 and, and really talking what we left behind, the documentary about Deep Space Nine. As usual, though, it's not just going to be Ken and me talking to Aaron. We want you to join in as well. Questions about DS9, questions about the documentary about DS9, and maybe you'd like to know what Aaron had for lunch. Join our Zoom meeting. Use the one tap from your smartphone or call 669-900-6833, 669-900-6833. Hey, funny thing, Ken, uh, this is usually the point in the show where I jump over to the chat room and see who's talking to us live. And that yeah. is awesome. Um, I, I did an update on the Facebook <laughs> app and all it's doing is just crashing every time I launch it. But here's the thing. I know that people are there. Uh, well, Penny and, and there, there's a guy named Aaron Eisenberg who's in there. There's, yeah. Mary, uh, there's Ryan, there's uh, Bill, uh, just so many, Rhea, uh, so many of our friends who are there. There's- there's Albert, there's Carlos, there's Josh, there's Barry, there is Narda, there is Penny, as you said before. Uh, Keith, Mary is there. Uh, Matt, Donna said earlier that she was interested. I don't know if she made it or not, but I hope she did. And I hope she's having a wonderful evening. So, yeah, so there's all the people, you know, that I got to play Romper Room today. You did. Now, here's what's going to be great. We're going to be really clever. And when you're doing something on air, I'm going to jump over to my phone and try to open it there. <laughs> or maybe I'll just delete the app off of the iPad and then re-download it. It'll, it'll be seamless. It'll be yes. awesome. Yeah. Well, except for the minute and a half that we spent talking about the problem. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, we would like to thank everybody, by the way, for checking us out here live on Facebook or if you're catching the video later at YouTube.com slash Roddenberry Prod. Those are those are back up and running is what I'm hearing. Yeah. Very, very excited that you're uh, checking that out there. Of course, if you're catching the audio only podcast, well, we welcome you there too. basically wherever you're finding this show. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, please, wherever you did find it, hit like, hit share, and uh, try to join us live on Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern, because it's more fun to have the conversation uh, when we're having a conversation. John, I'm wondering, should I go on or are you ready? Oh, I'm so ready. I'm right oh, here. Okay. We're going to move on to the business section of the show yeah. uh, very quickly. We've got a few things to knock through. Uh, I do want to mention our friend Scott Palm. Uh, we mention him every week as long as we're doing the fundraiser through GoFundMe. Now, our friend Chase Masterson invi- uh, introduced us to her friend Scott Palm. He is now our friend as well. And Scott Palm does amazing work with the Pop Culture Hero Coalition, raising awareness uh, for kids who are bullied and in particular, kids 
kids who have severe physical disabilities. Now, his whole mission is to go into schools and uh, talk to those kids, not only the kids who have disabilities, about uh, uh, self-empowerment and their own identities, but also to their peers to make sure they learn valuable, very Star Trek messages about inclusion and acceptance. So if you go to our page, facebook.com slash mission log pod or twitter.com slash mission log pod, you will find pinned to the top a place where you can donate to our GoFundMe for Scott and the Roddenberry Foundation will match every dollar that gets donated. I'm going to keep it up there until we hit that goal because the work is important and I will keep mentioning it. So make sure you donate. And by the way, Scott and Chase went to the premiere of DS9, What We Left Behind, last night in Seattle. And we got a photo back from Chase. And Chase left a voicemail. So I'm going to ask Earl, Earl to cue that up uh, so everybody can share and just very quickly see that picture and that voicemail. Go ahead, Earl, at your leisure. Hey, hey, John. Hey, it's Chase and Scott. Just want to say thank you for your message. Sorry we missed you. Hope you had a great night at the screening. And here's Scott with a message. Thank you for the fundraiser. See you on Mission Long. Yay. Okay, talk to you soon. Bye. Look how seamless that was, right? <laughs> right until you say it. I'll say there's a weird thing. It, it's it's interesting. Um, the Fathom Events thing, and especially for this documentary, but just across the board, is kind of an interesting thing, right? Because, like, we saw it last night, and uh, and then the audience was uh, was Kenneth Mitchell, of course, from Discovery, and then up on stage doing the Q&A were uh, Sirach and Aaron, who we'll get to in just a moment, mm-hmm. uh, across town at Burbank. It was Iris Stephen Bear and uh, Andrew Robinson and Billy Mooney, which is kind right. of funny. Right. But then up in Seattle, uh, Chase is there hanging out with Scott. And then, you know, all across the country, it's weird because, like you said, the premiere, and you think, well, you got to be in L.A. You got to be in New York. You got to be in London. Uh, everybody got to go. Everybody who wanted to go to this premiere got to go to this premiere last night. I mean, you know, right. it cost a couple of quatlos, but I'm sorry, cost a few <laughs> bars of platinum. But, you know, everybody got to go if they wanted to go. So, yeah. uh, yeah, it was really a, a really an interesting event in in, in that respect. Uh, plus the movie. Oh yeah, there was that. And like I said, we'll talk about the movie with our guest in just a moment. A couple other pieces of business, Ken. If you want to go ahead with uh, with those next two calendar items. Uh, well, I'm going to do the three because you've got one asking too soon. I say not too soon, so let's All do right. that too. All, All right. right. Uh, the first thing, though, is letting you know not this Thursday, but the following Thursday, uh, there will be something back in the Mission Log feed. Uh, we're going to have uh, one last thing before we get into Season 3, that thing being kind of recapping where Mission Log has been to this point and then also recapping the first couple of seasons of uh, Deep Space Nine. Uh, this was an idea that uh, some guy who listens to the show occasionally, uh, uh, last name Roddenberry, first name escapes me, uh, he kind of wanted to get together with us, you know, because he's the guy who put us together. He's the guy who put the show together. And so he kind of wanted to, you know, after the long break that we've had, uh, come back and sort of talk over everything that happened leading up to that break and what happens next. So uh, May 23rd, we are going to be uh, having that uh, discussion with uh, Rod Roddenberry. And then May 30th, we get back into uh, Season 3 of Deep Space Nine. Actually, we get into Season 3 of Deep Space Nine with The Search, Parts 1 and 2. So that is what is going on with Mission Log. Now, the Roddenberry Podcast Network has had a number of shows for quite a while. Uh, Oh, you got your Mission Log, your Mission Log Live, Woman at War, Priority One, and the Track Files. That's five. That fills a hand. Oh, 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 wait, what's this? (laughs) 
That's right. There's a new show on the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Uh, Allison Pitt, who uh, some of you may know as Kenna from Priority One, has started doing a daily Star Trek news podcast that I believe is called Daily Star Trek News. And I don't know why I don't remember that because I've actually been hearing about it for a bit. Um, Monday through Friday, short form. Uh, just, you know, some of the biggest news going on in the Star Trek universe right then, right there. Um, I personally am excited to hear it on the, uh, on the, uh, on the network. Uh, people who don't know, I've actually had a daily Apple news podcast for the past 13 and a half years. A daily short form show is a whole different animal. It sort of brings a level of engagement. It brings a level of, um, intimacy, I would say, with the listener that even a once a week show doesn't necessarily give you. So I am super excited to uh, to have this show out there. Plus, I'm actually already picking up a bunch of Star Trek news that I wouldn't otherwise hear. So it is not yet available on iTunes. It is currently available on Google Play, or you can go to the website um, dailystartreknews.com and find it there. I can't remember, uh, John, is it up on um, podcast.roddenberry.com yet, or is that coming soon? Uh, that is coming soon, uh, as soon as we have the iTunes link in place. But I've been slowly, cleverly like sliding it out to people. Somebody asked about when the DS9 documentary would be available on home video. I'm like, oh, wait, it's so funny you would ask, because there's this daily Star Trek news show that what? covered that exact thing. Here you go. Give this a listen. Yeah. yeah. So we're very excited about that. Um, I guess you would probably call this a soft launch. It's out there. It would be great if people found it. Uh, it's also, uh, you can uh, follow the show on Instagram and on Twitter. And I cannot remember what those, uh, what those are, but go to the website, dailystartreknews.com. And there are links there to the Instagram and the Twitter. And you can listen to all the shows that have been produced so far, which is a surprising number for a show that just yeah. launched like in the past couple of days. So right. we're happy about that. We hope you get to listen and check it out. Other stuff coming up, Sansar, Sansar.com. On June 13th, we have Larry Nemechek covering everything you wanted to know about stellar cartography. And uh, then on June 20th, the long-awaited, much-anticipated white room in 360 degrees. Well, 360 from your eye level. You know, you're not looking down and seeing the picture, but yeah, you'll get it. So those two things are happening. Go sign up for your free accounts at Sansar.com and go to events.sansar.com to see the event listings there. We'll also put them up on the Facebook page. And Ken, convention season is right around the corner. Let's see, yeah. you and I will be at Comic-Con. Uh, that starts on July 18th, I think. We'll be at Vegas. That starts on July 31st. You will find me at the bar. You will find Ken under the bar. Oh, dude, no, I was going to say, actually, it's good that we're going back to Comic-Con because I'm hoping they still have my liver. Yes, <laughs> I hope so, too. I hope there was just so. that one thing. There was just that one. There was that one guy. Yeah, I know. That one, one guy. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. we have yep. heard hide nor hair of since. But, uh, yeah, I'm, yeah, probably for good reason. Yeah, I'm thinking that you can't really call it a season. Maybe we should try to go to Dragon Con because otherwise, you know, yeah. there, it, does two a season make, John? I ask you, does two a season make? It, it depends on how hard you party, Ken. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Hey, uh, we get a poll question that we run every week. Well, I mean, it's a different question every week, but every week we run a poll question. Last week, the question was, what are your hopes for season three of Discovery? You're looking for episodic? You're looking for serialized? I think 65% of you are going to be disappointed. Episodic is what 65% want. Uh, serialized, 35%. Uh, Paul Wright also wrote in to say, uh, why don't we have both? See? Can you do right? that? You can, can do, do that. that. 
Okay. Well, you talked about how in Enterprise you could have a season-long arc, but then you're going to have some standalone episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, standalones that tie together bigger arcs. So you, you, you kind of have both best of both worlds there. See what you I know did. What what might do that now that was cute. What might do that really well was instead of like chasing a ship all over the place, maybe if you had like, you know, uh, sort of like a stationary, like one place that people went. Oh, and then both episodes yes. again, sort of a serialized and thing. Standalone. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Well, maybe return to that. This week, we wanted to know which series should get the featured documentary treatment next. Now I just pose them as Voyager and Enterprise because there's a lot of docs about TNG, a lot of docs about TOS. You can find them in various per- mutations out there. But those are are the last two that really haven't been covered as extensively. 62% of you say Voyager, 38% of you are right and said Enterprise. So, uh, Are you counting chaos on the bridge, by the way? Is that why you're saying not because I wouldn't count Chaos on the Bridge as a TNG documentary. No, no, but, but dude, those TNG uh, Blu-ray sets have fabulous documentaries. Uh, right. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, don't, yeah. I don't buy the physical media, so I haven't seen those. But I guess, they are, are they available in streaming as well? Or is it only, do you have to buy them? I, 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 not, not all the docs are available streaming. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. But you can still see some of them. Hey, we've got a guest waiting and we've got a caller waiting. What do you say we jump over to uh, to that excitement on the show right now? Uh, tonight, we are very pleased to welcome a special guest. Now, you may know him best as Stephen from Parker Lewis Can't Lose, but we remember him fondly as Nog from Deep Space Nine. So great to have someone intimately tied to the subject matter of tonight's show. He's here to spill all the beans, everything that was not in the documentary. Uh, who are his friends? Who can he not stand? Uh, who had the best catering? And what will become of Nog? Here to answer all those questions, Aaron Eisenberg. Welcome hey, to the show. Hey, how's it going? Good. Thank you, for having me. Thank you for having me. Interesting. I thought I was here for Parker Lewis and I thought Corin Nemec was going to uh, call in. So I'm very disappointed uh, that that's not what this is about. So I'm a little shocked at the moment. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Parker Lewis was a great show. I, I, I say that show. not in jest. That was a great show. So, it was. Uh, it was. Uh, yeah. It was very unique. Very unique yeah. show. I got that because. Um, the casting directors of uh, Wonder Years, and I actually did an episode of Wonder Years uh, with the great doctor from Voyager uh, who played the Santa, uh, and everybody knows who he is. Um, but uh, they, because it was, they kept trying to get me on the show, and the producers were like, nah, not quite, nah, not quite. They finally got me a, uh, a role as an elf. And then they kind of felt that they wanted to give me more. So they also got me Parker Lewis. So they gave me two, two little, uh, spots on two different shows. So I was nice. I was very, very fortunate to work on both those shows. Anyway, two, two iconic shows. And yeah. then uh, another iconic show. I, I, I looked a little at your IMDb, you know, <laughs> I, I, I did a bit yeah. of that. It takes yeah. you about 10 seconds and then you can get through it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can I ask, I mean, since we since we started, you know, uh, back before Deep Space Nine, I personally am always curious. And yes, by the way, we do have callers lined up, but I just I, this is a thing. I don't want to miss this part. So because um, sure. we're going to be talking a lot about Deep Space Nine. How'd you get started? I mean, did you know? From the time, yeah. I mean, did you know from the time that you were like a 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 young kid that that's what you wanted to do? Is it something you no. came into <laughs> later? Like, how did how did you get going? It's actually it's actually odd how things happen in life, you know, the, the courses that you take and and where they lead. As, as a matter of fact, when I was younger, my father was a lawyer and he wasn't 
around very often in my life. So I always thought lawyers are not the best dads. So I'm not going to be a lawyer. And he didn't go to my soccer games. He didn't go to my baseball games. He just wasn't active. My parents were divorced. I stayed with my mom. I'd visit my dad when I did. He worked all the time. We would do certain things. And oddly, one of the things that we did do together a lot was watch Star Trek, the original series. And I remember him watch uh, making a grilled cheese and we'd hang out and watch that. And as a young kid, I remember being uh, gravitating towards the philosophical and moral ideas and principles that it would bring forth within the show. And I really loved that even as a young kid. He was a big Star Wars fan. He had these mugs, these giant mugs that I haven't seen at a con yet of Darth Vader, of uh, a stormtrooper, of Chewbacca. They were like this size. They were huge. And I remember he had them up on the shelf in his little bar that he had in his house. So, And he was a very technological fan. Um, So as he passed away when I was 15. Well, see, did you hear that pop? That's why I need this thing. And he goes, <laughs> if I could just get it to fit on the microphone. Yeah, there work. you go. And I really don't want to hold it the whole time. So if you hear that heavy pop, I apologize. Yeah, um, no, it's very professional of you just holding it like that. You know, you like that? That's yeah, me going yeah. far and uh, above and beyond yes. you know, what's asked of me and what's uh, required and expected. So this this is, you know, I can rest my elbow and do this. Uh, so to move forward, uh, when I was in high school, somebody, and I was on dialysis, believe it or not, at the time, and someone said to me, oh, my God, you're so young. You should get into acting. I go, oh, no, 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 no. I don't want to be an actor. They're, they're terrible parents. I don't want to be, I want, I want to be a great parent. I, that's the most important thing. I don't want to get into acting. He's like, yeah, but if you do it, you can just make a lot of money and, and you do really, you do really well. And I go, well, I guess I can make some extra cash as I go to college and figure out what I want to do and might go into psychology or what have you. So I thought, all right, I'll, I'll give it a shot. And I took an acting class and well, as they say, I fell in love with it and I knew through that class, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. And it wasn't because he said I could make money. Um, it was because I loved it. I enjoyed it so much, and I thought I had a talent for it. I think I was a little bit more overconfident at that time, um, and I think I became a stronger actor, thankfully, by the time I got this show. And to be honest, uh, DS9 just gave me such good good scripts to work with. Uh, it, it was it was almost like having the, you know, uh, a GPS on your phone back in the seventies or the eighties before there were phones. I mean, they just wrote such wonderful things for me. Um, and, uh, it was great. And it kind of fit my larger personality too, especially being in makeup, but that's how it all started. Um, and ironically, my boys came into my life as uh, in the later years of the show, but because I was a recurring guest star, I was home all the time. I would work. I would work for three days out of an episode and come home. So it was really the perfect paradigm for me. And I got literally everything I wanted in my uh, in my 20s and throughout my 30s and being home to raise my boys. Six six nine nine hundred six eight three three is the phone number to call. Six six nine nine hundred six eight three three, or you can use the one tap from your smartphone, or go to our Facebook page. And uh, and there should be a link right there, and and you'll be able to do it because it's not hard, it, it's easy, and we'd love to have you. In fact, uh, Paul, Paul has already figured out how to do it, and he is on the phone with us right now, or on the on the video. Uh, Paul's here. Hey, Paul. Hi, hi guys. How's it going, Paul? 
Very good. Thank you. Um, I enjoyed the movie last night. I enjoyed. Uh, oh, thank you. I made it all the way to Hollywood to see it. <laughs> so, oh, you were there last night where I was in Ciroc and Nikki and Camille and Ryan. Awesome. And John and Ray were there too. So. <laughs> oh, that's fabulous. <laughs> they sat down right in front of I me. Didn't, I hope I, yeah, I hope my did popcorn crunching wasn't too loud. <laughs> well, it was, but you know, I thought I shouldn't say anything. I know I got to do a Q and A. I'm going to look really bad, so I let it go. Thank I you. let it go. But yeah, you were pretty loud with that popcorn. I was wondering if any of you guys had an Eisenberg hot dog. You know, that's what I was really most uh, curious about. You, uh, no, no. you really pitched it. but I, I did. Um... I tried. <laughs> I tried so hard to pitch that Eisenberg hot dog. <laughs> What's on your mind tonight, Paul? Well, I enjoyed the movie and I, what, there were several things that stood out to me in it that really I found quite fascinating. And one of them was the writer's room because I'd, I'd always wondered how that worked. <laughs> And Me too. I thought that was a really, yes, you too. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I was actually hoping that you could elaborate more. <laughs> um, yeah. Unfortunately, Paul, no, I'm right there with you. Uh, it was new to us. I, I think a lot of the actors, to be honest with you. Um, and, and remember I was recurring rather than a guest star, but I almost, I mean, rather than a, a regular, um, but I'm, I'm pretty sure a lot of the regulars were unaware of that process or nor were they, or were they not part of it in there? Maybe they were aware of it, but it's kind of like that's where they do their work. It'd be kind of like all the writers coming over to our house and watching us rehearse on our own, going through our lines. It's like, you know, just let me do my work and then I'll come and show you what I've come up with. Um, and, and our show, though, I can give you a little bit of info about the writing. Um, they were very, very specific in the script and what we said. If we wanted to change anything in that script, we had to get approval. Um, and And... I only had one improvised moment in the seven years, and that was uh, the Ferengi love dance. Uh, that was the one improvised day where the director said, I want you dancing at the top of the scene. And I was like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? I have no idea how Nog dances. It didn't even say it in the script. It's just I'm part of the party. So I'm thinking I got an easy day. I'm going to show up, hang out, have some fun maybe hit Voyager craft service. If I can sneak in, come back, do my stuff. And instead it was the most stressful day of my life. So, uh, you know, I, I didn't know what they had in mind and I didn't know where they were going to take, take my character, nor did I really have any input, at least not that I was aware. I, you guys watch game of Thrones at all. You guys yeah. watch game of Thrones. Okay. So I was watching a thread. I or watching. I was reading a thread on writing and and how there's a difference from how George Martin, uh, the writer of the books, uh, the perception was that he writes by the seat of his pants. So the 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 post, the person who was tweeting it out called him a pantser. But there's other writers who design the whole plot from beginning to end and have this whole arc, and then they fit people in and then kind of guide the characters to hit that end game or to hit those plot lines or what have you. Uh, as Ken is nodding, I, I think he knows what I'm talking about there. And I just learned that. I was like, wow, I didn't even think about that. And so in Game of Thrones, we're, I think, experiencing a difference from uh, George Martin's writing to, well, we've got to finish the show. So kind of a switch in how that's uh, handled. On our show, I don't know how they really handled it. I don't think they had a whole idea of all of our characters, because even in you, you all saw in the documentary when uh, I was at uh, Robert was it Robert or Ira said, uh, Odo and Kira, you guys gave us this idea by what we saw in the dailies. 
And I think that happened a lot on our show, especially with all the recurring characters in, in, in where they took us and the ideas that they were able to come up with by what they saw and experienced by the work that they uh, saw on daily. So it was a very symbiotic relationship. So it was just as fun for me as it was for, I'm assuming you guys to see, uh, to see that writer's room. And I don't know about you guys, but I was up there looking at the wall. Where does it say Nog Returns? Where is it? It's got to be up there. Episode five. No, is it up there? I kept trying, but they kept going too fast. So I was going to wait for the streaming or the DVD so I could freeze it and read all the notes on that. On the chalkboard. You, you know your fate. You watch the documentary. You know. <laughs> it's Section 31, my friend. Section 31. <laughs> right. Right. Anything uh, can happen, of course. Yeah. Yeah. What else, Paul? Any other uh, thoughts tonight? Uh, well, let's see. What else? There was, um, oh, I enjoyed the, the anecdotes. I loved some of the editing was really kind of interesting. And there was one scene in the middle of it where I was, was sitting down with, I don't know who the woman was, but they were checking off the things that they had, they felt that they had accomplished over the years. And then they froze on the sexual um, aspect of it. And I thought I that, that was, was Josh. Think hmm. that it was one of the editors. And yeah. uh, I thought it was an editor. Yep. And they, they talked about how oh, it, he wasn't letting himself off the hook. He said, well, we didn't, we didn't cover it enough. We didn't, we didn't push the envelope enough with some of the, you know, the, the same sex relationships or some of the, you know, the, the more interesting things that they could have done mm-hmm. with that kind of stuff, especially with Garrick and um, Bashir, which mm-hmm. never had occurred to me when I was watching it, but it certainly occurred. Really? Yeah. It did. <laughs> did it occur to you guys? No, I thought, yeah. no, I thought it was, I yeah. thought it was just uh, their, uh, you know, the banter between the two of them. But I've seen the documentary. Yeah. I, I, I remember Ken, I, I can't remember the name of the episode where we first meet Garrett, but Ken, I do remember that in my notes for that show, when we did it on air, I said the, the, the feeling there was seduction and it didn't yeah. necessarily have to be sexual because in that, at that moment, we didn't know anything about Garrick, but just their meeting, just the, the, the feeling there, it felt like a seduction to get something out of Bashir, whether it was to get a friendship or information or whatever. But that, that was the thing I kept coming back to. So to see Andrew Robinson talk about that very openly and yeah. sort of make a joke out of it, I, I thought was great and, and definitely one of my favorite characters on deep space nine because that man finds every layer of every scene that he's in and uh, and he's fantastic he yeah. is he is a, an amazing actor yeah i mean we were blessed with uh everybody was just so wonderful to work with you know wonderful and i was fortunate to almost work with everybody i just actually started thinking about that i don't think i worked with mark Trying to remember if there was an episode I worked with Mark Alimo. Um, I don't think I trying to think if I don't think I worked with Casey either. But yeah, I mean, we just had a uh, we were just blessed. To be honest, we were blessed across the board. Wonderful production team, wonderful crew, wonderful cast. Uh, it was just a perfect storm. Cool, Paul. Thank you so much for calling in tonight, and it was great to see you last night as well. Yeah, thank you. Welcome, um, and thanks for taking my call. I know Ria's waiting. <laughs> All right, Paul, thank you so much. Thanks for coming last night uh, to the Q&A to the well, I don't know if you were at the Q&A all the way through, there. to the, the whole show and supporting it and being out there. And I hope you had a great time. I did. Thank you very much. Have a nice awesome. night, guys. See you. Paul. All right, take care. 
669-900-6833 is the phone number to call, 669-900-6833. You can also use the one tap from your smartphone, or you can go to the Facebook page, facebook.com slash missionlogpod, and click the link there, and you'll talk to Earl, and Earl will put you on with us. Hey, here's an interesting thing. Uh, so, Aaron, you were talking about finding the right dance, the right physicality oh. for Nog. Somebody in the uh, in the chat here just said there's even a Ferengi dance emote in Star Trek Online now. Yes, yes. I've not played deeply enough into yeah. Star Trek Online, but apparently you can do that. Yes, you can. I had to fix it. I had to tell Al, <laughs> Al, who's the boss, the big, the big honcho with Star Trek Online. I said, you forgot the butt wiggle. You didn't have the butt wiggle. It's not just mm. this. There's mm. also a little butt wiggle in there. And he goes, ah, we'll have to, I don't know if they went back and fixed it. And, and I'm not watching the Facebook live online. So if somebody says they did, let me know. Uh, and if you want, I'll be more than happy to tell you, take, uh, time, uh, in the show if you want me to explain how I came up with that dance and how that all occurred. It, I tend to talk a lot. So I've got to be careful because I know you, you know, Rhea's waiting to ask a question and a chat and there might be somebody else coming on or there might be something on Facebook. But if anybody wants to hear that story, I'd be more than happy to tell it. It's, it was one of my most terrifying days. Absolutely. Oh, good. Okay. Well, actually, let, let's jump over to Rhea. Let's, uh, let's see what she's got to say. And then, uh, we might just have to come back to that dance story. I, I understand being sure. terrified by dancing. Rhea, welcome to the show. How are you tonight? Hi from the pack lid pajama party. Um, I'll keep this brief because I want to hear Aaron's dance story here, but, uh, you know, I wasn't in LA or anywhere fancy, but I did see the movie last night with someone who I actually met on this very video chat. Uh, just turned out that we happen to live a few miles apart. Oh, wow. So that was cool. Oh, that's but um, wow. Love, love, love Deep Space Nine. Um, I'd never really watched it before. So John and Ken, you guys, you know, are the ones that ruined my life. And I never watched anything besides TOS <laughs> or your podcast. And um, started watching Next Gen, fell in love, watched Deep Space Nine, fell in love and love and love and love. Like that might be my absolute favorite aside from TOS because that'll always be my first love. But um, yeah, the documentary was great. I loved your reaction, Aaron, to Nog getting killed <laughs> off in the first episode. <laughs> right. Wasn't that everybody's reaction? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But I want season eight. So yeah, that's basically all I had to say is you, you know, an amazing, amazing show and bring on season eight. That would be so cool. Yeah. Thank you. You know, I liked how this story, uh, to be honest, was being told. And I like how they bring Cisco in. I mean, I hope we can talk about it. Uh, it's, it's, it aired last night, so it, it's, it's, uh, open season, right? On spoilers or anything, correct? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, and you know, I was, I, this is the third time I've seen it. And last night I was listening to Ira say, we kill Nog. Oh yeah. Nog is dead. Oh, we let's, yeah, it's not. I was thinking about it. Who could it be? O'Brien, which was very common. No, it's not. And I think he got more and more excited every time he said it. I think there is a very specific reason he wants to kill Nog. What is it with, with, with blowing up Nog? Everybody wants to blow up Nog. First, it's his leg. No, let's go further. Let's blow his whole body right off the, right out of that mini captain's chair. And did you notice that captain's chair was a bit small? You know, other people <laughs> sit in it when he's not around and go, look at this. Look at how small this chair is. No, they're teasing me, but that's okay. Nog can handle it because he's probably making fun of himself too. And he was a little bit, a little bit more chunky, which I liked. Um, <laughs> that's the only other note I had. But I, 
I kind of uh, obviously, you know, I joke flipping off Ira when he found it, but uh, when he told me, but to be honest, to be absolutely honest, of course I was upset. I want to work again as an actor and it's such a great character. I want to continue to tell his stories. I don't want him to just die in the first episode. I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you, you can't do that. You can't go all game of Thrones on DS nine. It doesn't work like that. Ira. <laughs> and um, so there was a lot more I had to say. Uh, and I would really love to see, Kind of how he built those relationships with Kira and how he nav- navigated as captain with Kira as now the Vedic, with Molly. As, as a matter of fact, you know, there's a relationship there between him and Molly. And as she comes to his defense, and he's the one that actually brings everybody back to DS9. Why? What is that reason? So they really put a lot of great questions that even I want to find out what happens. And it's kind of like getting a script. You know, every script I got was reading the next chapter of the book. And I want to read that chapter as well. I don't want to see, I, I want to see that I've come back. I'm in a section 31 prison right now. That's what I believe. <laughs> and then the big next reveals Bashir, Bashir. <laughs> to see the, to see how that kind of, Nog. what's that? Oh, they didn't actually kill prime Nog. It was actually mirror universe Nog that blew up. Unfortunately, I wish, although you could say there's millions of timelines, but Mirror Universe Nog was, was killed by my love, uh, the Intendant, Unshattered Mirror. I don't know if you've you seen that one. God, yes. that was so much fun to play. That was so much fun to play. Uh, the Cowboy Girls, I was so quirkish. Anyway. Here's the thing, though. I mean, you can already say, I mean, we already know that there are multiple timelines for Nog because you've already talked about the fact that you're in Star Trek Online. You yeah. obviously survived season eight because, yeah. you know, you're off there, which would go past the 20 years. I think they said that it had been for people who haven't seen the documentary, by the way, because you're, you might be out there thinking, how have I missed a season? Of- <laughs> <laughs> one of the one of the things that they do in the documentary is they get uh, the, the head writers back together and they say, all right, let's play. We're, we, we've gotten the green light. We're going to do season eight. Let's break the first episode. And so they sort of do. It is 20 years later. They bring everybody back together. I don't want people out there to go. Are they just making this up? No, we didn't make it up. Uh, Ron Moore and uh, our Iris Stephen Baron, you know, a bunch of other people made it. Renee, up. Hans Beamler. Uh, yeah. yeah there you go. Yeah. And- uh, well, really quickly. Anything else on your mind tonight? Uh, Ria? Just again, it was mentioned in the documentary, Nog's character arc was amazing throughout the series, uh, probably more development than any other character. And that, that kind of got me thinking a little about some of the complaints about Discovery was it was too focused on Burnham and this and that, where Deep Space Nine developed so many characters and so many, you know, minor characters and one offs that came back that, um, yeah, yeah, like Nog, um, that became so beloved. Well, I wanted to comment on that. I, you know, um, you know, I love Discovery. I'm a big fan of Discovery. And um, one of the things we I've, I've noticed that is difficult for people is coming from one show and then enjoying that for eight seasons, 20, what was it, 26 episodes a season, and then going into another show. And now it's what, 10 episodes? Or was it uh, 15 the first season, yeah. 14 the second right. season? So it's a, yeah. mu- it's a much smaller season. Mm-hmm. And, and while there's a lot of DS9 elements, I think, as you guys mentioned earlier in your show, I think they were trying more to go to a serialized idea, but with a few offshoots, a, a few individual episodes, but they also have a much smaller season um, to do that in. <laughs> 
And they don't want to just repeat what another show did because then the criticism will be, oh, you're just doing what DS9 did. We already saw it. So it's a very, it's a very tough job, I think, that the writers have to do what they had to do. And personally, I think they did a phenomenal job. And I think they did a good job, especially in the second season of Discovery, of actually calling back to some of the canon, explaining it in Discovery. So you can go, okay, I can buy that. For example, the Star Trek, uh, the Enterprise, I always called when Discovery last season was on. I'm like, wow, Kirk got a hoopty. He got a hoopty. <laughs> I'd be so mad right now. But then when we get to it, you go, okay, it's in the same vein. It's not quite the same. Uniforms didn't go straight back to TOS. They alluded to it. They hinted to it. And now they've got them. They answered some questions. They they did some good things. And now they put themselves in a place where now they don't have to adhere to that necessary, to that uh, specific canon and all the things that had happened because it was a prequel. Um, so maybe, as you guys said earlier, you will see some of those I think it'll be a combo, as you had mentioned. And uh, and anyway, but I talk a lot, so I'm sorry. Well, it, it's such a challenge, though, that that uh, it, there's that old axiom that the, there are three sh- three movies, or you could say three shows that you make. There's the show that you write, the show that you film, and then the show that you edit and release. And those right. are completely different things. Now, on a show like DS9, written and produced the way that Next Gen was written and produced, where you get a little bit of a head start, but you're also catching up as you go through the season to knock out that 26 episodes. You can be a little bit nimble, but you're also behind the gun uh, the whole time. You're sort of behind the the, uh, eight ball the whole time, right? Discovery is a little bit different. You write and produce an entire season before any of it is seen. And then as those episodes come out, it's sort of surprise. It's like, okay, well, we had this great idea with this character. Oh, but look, that character is really doing something in the final edit that we didn't even think about. And the audience is responding in this way. So Good it, call. you know, it really changes the way you approach creating the show from the ground up. I don't think one is necessarily better than the other, because you can argue on both sides Mm -hmm. how that affects the show. But um, yeah, just the the landscape, just the the production from the ground up is a different beast. That's a very different product. Oh, I'm going to say ahead. I'm going to say really quickly. No, no, I, I prefer the 24, 26 episodes, though, and they're not all winners. But here's the thing. We talked a lot during Discovery, uh, both seasons of Discovery, about whether or not they had earned the emotion. Well, half the problem is there's not a wasted moment on screen. And I almost feel like to really get to know a character, to really get to care about a character, you might need a wasted moment or two. You might need a moment of like, you know. Data messing with his cat, you know, or, or, or O'Brien, you know, having another problem with some other part of DS9 breaking down. There's not a, there's not a second of, of relaxing in discovery. I don't just mean the characters relaxing. I mean, there's not a second of us relaxing. It's like, we got to get there. We got to get there. We got to do that. Yeah. That's a, that's a very good point. And I think Sirach mentioned that as well. He's, as we were talking about Discovery on our show, he was talking about how it's missing these elements that our show had that Rhea touched upon about the characters. And the thing with Data with a Cat is building up character and then people connect to those things. And, mm-hmm. and the real challenge for Discovery 
in my opinion, will be how can they start making those connections? How can they start, you know, hopefully learning, in my opinion, from the mistake of Arium? You can't throw a character in and do all these little flashes of, oh, let's make feely feely for her. And then now we're going to kill her. You can't you can't. The audience is too smart for that. And mind you, I'm a fan of the show. I love the show. It's a roller coaster ride. But Rhea makes a good point. And, and the only comment or response I would say to you in that, Rhea, that Rhea is that, remember, our show was on a station. So the stories had to be filled up by all the recurring. The stories had to come to the station. As you see in the documentary, it was so well edited with the, uh, the original series. Boom. We're going here. TNG engage Voyager. Da, da, da. Deep six. Like, doo, 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 doo. right. I mean, if you look at that, that basic thing, it's just like everybody laughed because it's funny. So mm-hmm. that was good for us as recurring guest stars, because then they had to have us bring the stories and the conflicts for the regulars and for all of us to be intertwined in. Now, what will Discovery do? Time will tell. I'm rooting for them because I think they got some great people in there and I love the show. So I got it figured out. Nog's ship didn't explode. It timey, why me, tech the tech, something, something ended up a thousand years in the future. Meets up with Discovery. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Hey, well, Rhea, thank you very much for, uh, for calling in tonight. We really so do appreciate lot. it. Thank yeah. you, Rhea. Thanks for joining. Thank you guys. Hey, John, we've got a, we got a little bit of business that we need to take. Oh, I, I'm so ready for the business. In fact, uh, I got it. Right Someone said business. Oh yeah. Yeah. We got business to take care of Aaron. You just, uh, you just, uh, watch and learn here. So fans <laughs> of the Eagle Moss official Star Trek starships, be it the original collection of five to six inch starships or the larger Star Trek discovery collection or even the larger XL editions like I'm holding here. Yeah. I went old school. I went, uh, original series TOS enterprise, uh, for those those of you looking to complete your collections or simply purchase single starships for yourself or as gifts, well, your ships have come in, literally. Yes, the Eagle Moss shop is open and ready to do business. And listeners of Mission Log can enjoy an extra 10% off selected models. Uh, go to shop.eaglemoss.com slash USA slash Mission Log and, you know, just take a look at the variety of ships waiting for you there. I mean, a lot of them are shop exclusives. A lot of them are things. It's interesting because we've talked before. Ben Robinson, by the way, in the documentary, that will tell you how much yeah. of a Star Trek expert he is. Uh, ben Robinson, like, you know, he'll come across something like this was a drawing of a thing that was never on screen. But, oh, wouldn't it be neat to see? Uh, or, you know, some stuff that maybe just got maybe just like even one shot in one show. It's like we always used to say, John, every episode of Star Trek is somebody's favorite episode. Every ship is somebody's favorite ship, and there's a pretty good chance they've got it there. Or, or, or somebody's least favorite, but, but not any of these that I've picked to highlight. These are all favorites, in fact. So you got Rick Sternbach's original concept model of the USS Voyager. Uh, you have the Defiant from the original episode, original series episode of the Tholian Web, and that one glows in the dark. They went the extra mile on that one. You have the phase two concept enterprise. You can buy a model of that ship. So kind of halfway be- between TOS and TMP. That is a cool looking ship. You even have the USS Titan. What's the Titan? We didn't see that on screen. Oh, wait a minute. That's Riker's ship from the books. Well, they created it and you can buy the Titan. So that's the thing. You can look around and you are sure to find a ship or or three or five or make it a baker's dozen. Those are the ones that are screaming out to you, buy me, take me home, I'm yours. 
Officially authorized by CBS Studios, each and every model is die-cast, hand-painted, and comes with a display stand, uh, plus an in-depth magazine featuring exclusive artwork and highlighting the ship's history, uh, its design, and its place in the Star Trek universe. So to order, go to shop.eaglemoss.com slash USA slash mission log and enter a promo code mission log. That's one word, mission log at checkout to receive an extra 10% off your order. That is mission log one word at checkout at shop.eaglemoss.com slash USA slash mission log. And a big thanks to the good people at Eagle Moss for sponsoring this week's show. And for their tiny ships. And for their tiny ship. Well, and they're not so tiny ships and they're really not so tiny ships. Right, right. You got a whole range of tiny to not as tiny. Um, Remember that if you would like to join us tonight, you can simply click on the Zoom link and you would be connected to me and Ken and Aaron. And you can talk to DS9. Nobody has asked Aaron yet what he had for lunch. So I'm waiting for that. And no, just typing in the chat doesn't count. You have to call in to get that info. Or you can pick up the phone and call 669-900-6833. Again, 669-900-6833 and type in the meeting code that you will see on screen and in the show notes. So, uh, Aaron, let's get back to the documentary. Something that uh, has come up a couple of times now is just how funny that that documentary is. I mean, yeah. it, it, there were so many laugh out loud moments um, that it really feels like a very, uh, a very personal way to tell this story. It, we were talking at the top of the show that there are, documentaries about every Star Trek iteration out there. A lot of them packaged on Blu-rays and DVDs. I've never seen anything quite like this, though, where it it was insider. It was so personal Mm -hmm. and it was just fun. And at the same time, you're getting a bit of an education on how a show is put together. Right. Um, but but I, I I wondered something. Ken and I were uh, talking, and as we usually do after anything Star Trek related, a very uh, heated, uh, knockdown, drag out, uh, take no prisoners uh, discussion as we we're uh, walking down Hollywood Boulevard. And um, I, I, I'm wondering, is this the fairest shake to give to Deep Space Nine to have the documentary made by the people who made Deep Space Nine? Or, or is it, do we just treat it as its own thing and say, well, this is the version of the documentary you get when you turn Iris Stephen Bear loose on the project? Mm. Well, I guess what you have to ask yourself is, how did you feel about the documentary? Did you feel that it was done in a fair and even way that told the story of the show from, from the point of view of the people within the show? And their experiences on the show, meaning, you know, if I did a documentary about TNG, I'm actually, you know, what, what is my goal in the documentary? What is the story that I'm looking to tell? And I think in this one, I, I don't think it's unfair at all to say it's perfectly fine to, to have Ira tell the story. Because what did he say? Even in the round cell, he said he initially began to give the actors um, a little bit more credit than he felt they were given to give them a little bit more love. That's where he started. Right. And, and I think listening to him say that, I, I, I wonder if he went back in time or, or, or was thinking all the way back during the show going, man, this is a great show. Look at how good these actors are performing. Look at everything they're giving. Look at their honesty. Look at their dedication. And they're not getting 
the credit that they deserve for the work they're putting forward because we were sandwiched between two other shows. Paramount didn't really care. The fans were turned off at the beginning because it was serialized because, because um, Ira uh, stood by his integrity. He goes, this is what the show's about. This is what I'm going to write. And this is what I'm going to do. Whatever happens, that's what happens because I know I'm going to give my 120%. And everyone else did. Avery from the top did all the time. And, and, and I think, and we've all been in these positions before, we feel that I gave everything I had into this and it, everyone just went, oh, yeah, that's nice, and glossed right over to, the, to that over there. And I'm like, ah. And so perhaps Ira began with, with that idea, like, I'm going to give them what they deserve. I'm going to. I don't think the people know what I know about these people that helped me create this beautiful show and I'm going to give it to them. And then it turned into a much bigger thing. There's the crew, there's the productions. And then of course there's the fans. And, and I think it was a a well done documentary. Yes. From the perspective of those in it, but maybe that's what makes it so special and unique. And because you have that perspective, how often, do you ever have that perspective? Yeah, I, well, I think that's really what made. First of all, it was you asked me what my reaction was, and uh, my first reaction is that I was very entertained. Mm. Like it, it, it tells a complete story. It's funny. The mm. characters, meaning you guys, are very. It, 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 forthcoming, open-hearted, and share the uncomfortable stuff along with the fun stuff. So, yeah, it is an entertaining way to tell that story. Um, I, and I guess that it's not um, it's not the academic sort of look at DS9. It's not what you might get if you're doing, you know, the, the nine-part DVD series where you break down every aspect of the show and it is sort of a third party analyzing what happened and going into the, uh, the deep details. So, um, so take that. So a third party comes in, because I'll be honest, I haven't watched the other documentaries that you say are, are of all the other shows. Mm-hmm. It, then if, if somebody's going into DS9 and going to analyze the show, then what is their perspective? What are they analyzing? Yeah, well, I, I, I would refer back to like the TNG Blu-rays, uh, which if you don't have those, they're, they're really excellent. So you have the original material produced along with TNG, the material produced for the VHS copies, but then new documentaries when those came out, um, again, produced by a third party for CBS, sure. uh, but kind of a, a combination of that top-down view and the deep detail view. Can I, you I, give me something specific? Like, like, for example, what I'm trying because yeah. I didn't watch it. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So if, if I went into a documentary, am I not taking I have a goal in what in the story I'm looking to tell. Right. Because it's kind of hard to get inside if you weren't inside. Sure, sure. Yeah, no. And, and I think that that's what's the the interesting thing about this documentary. Mm. I think that what is. I think it, not that it needs a disclaimer. It certainly doesn't need that. I think what's interesting is that you go in there and certainly this is made for fans and fans put up money to make this happen. So it really is that that labor of love for them. They're already a part of the DS9 story. So they're going in to hear this slice and this particular piece that Ira is saying, here's my way of looking at Deep Space Nine. Mm. Here's what I think the, the, the highlights and the pitfalls were. Here's where, uh, uh, I, 
I maybe made some mistakes with stories that I didn't follow through. Here are the places where I didn't know that the actors felt one way, but I was trying to drive home a story this other way. It, it truly is fascinating. I wonder, though, that like, all right, well, by dropping in the stuff about the, uh, the hate mail, mm-hmm. it's very entertaining. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and believe me, uh, I can go in the next room and look at the archive and find hate mail from 1967. That is sure. part of the Star Trek story, sure. you know. Um, but I think what was specific about that mail yeah. was demonstrating the perspective that the general public, that the general audience had about the show. Everything gets hate mail. As as Nikki said, when I come in, I know someone's not going to like me. That's yeah. what's going to happen. I accept that. Not everybody is going to love our characters. Not everybody loves Nock. Not everybody loves Cisco, right? Um, but that, but that mail, as some, as, as people have said, they go, I had no idea that D- that people thought about this, uh, about DS9. They didn't know that. Um, but in your con, in your, uh, question, mm-hmm. it does pose an interesting, uh, an interesting, uh, dilemma. If I didn't know anything about Star Trek Deep Space Nine, and I watched the documentary, what would I take from that? What would I learn about the show? As you as you mentioned the TNG one, if you watch all those, do you do you get an inside? Do you get an inside perspective or a particular person's perspective about those episodes and what he thinks or she thinks, whoever may have done that, on what it, it, what was going on or what it meant and or all the, I just don't know what the documentary is about, so I can't. Yeah. I can't. Yeah. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's sort of the, it's the tough question about any documentary is you, you're asking yourself, what is the point of view and what is the goal? What is the thesis of the person who made the documentary? You know, so like yeah. there's some big takeaways from, uh, from what, what we left behind. Some of those big takeaways are <laughs> just seeing the cast read that hate mail mm-hmm. is this underlying feeling like, wow, we're doing something that's rubbing a lot of people the wrong way. Mm-hmm. There's another thread in there, another theme in there about kind of getting ignored or, or brushed under the carpet by Paramount or by, you know, the distributors or marketing, wh- whatever other kind of corporate aspects you want to We're put. the black sheep of the family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then, you know, here's the thing. Then Ken and I are walking away from that going, well, they ran seven seasons, <laughs> you know, and, and the, the distribution was in place and they had the money to make the shows. And, uh, man, for one brief shining moment, we got to go walk on the promenade in Vegas and go to Pork's Bar. Yeah. And, and that was killer. Not everybody gets to do that. Cassif Enterprise didn't get to do that. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, so it, it's just, uh, the, the perspective and the perception of DS9 from the DS9 cast and crew themselves. Right. It's interesting to see filtered through this point of view, you know? Yeah. And you know what? What? Ken, just let me say this and then I'll I'll go to your thing. Only because it, it, uh, I'll go ahead. Go ahead. Well, no, 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 please. Go ahead. You mentioned something that it was funny earlier, uh, John. And uh, the thing that's funny about that is everybody thought none of us were funny. Right. Except for the episodes. DS9 is such a serious show. They never joke around. They don't have stories of goofing around and doing all these kinds of things. Unlike TNG, who have all these stories of silliness as well as Voyager. Right. 
So it's interesting to me hearing you say it was funny. It was like, hey, we're not so bad, are we? We can have a good time. How about that? I just wanted to make that comment. Absolutely. Yeah. Interesting observation you made. Go ahead, Ken. What I would... What I would love to see, honestly, after after both this discussion and after the documentary last night is I'd like to see five one hour things, honestly, because the stuff that they talked about. And this was something that we talked about in a TNG episode. But uh, the, the the professor that they had on in the documentary who said uh, George Washington is a terrorist to the British and and a patriot, you know, in the U.S., Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of stuff that happens in Deep Space Nine that it would be interesting to actually see the kind of effect that it had on people. Um, I've heard from a number of people that there was a guy in the audience last night. Certainly, you guys mentioned in the documentary as well how Deep Space Deep Space Nine resonates with uh, people who've served in the military or people who are active military. That's an interesting thing, and that is not a thing that we've seen a lot. I mean, I I almost wish that we could do like, you know, four episodes or five episodes, one hour each, and do one hour that is the insider's look. Here's mm-hmm. the hate mail. Here's what I ever thought about this. Maybe the fifth hour is, you know, break it out. Uh, plus, you can sell ads and you can sell a box set DVD. <laughs> hey, uh, really quickly, <laughs> before, before we get back, and we got like a minute and a half here, well, actually yeah. three minutes, I do want to remind people that coming up after this show, about a half hour after we're done here, uh, facebook.com slash priority one podcast, uh, because uh, the good people at priority one, that is Anthony, that is Kenna, that is Elijah, all going to get together and talk about uh, Star Trek stuff. Probably they're going to be talking about what we left behind as well. But then they also talk about games and news, lots of Star Trek online talk there. So I know they've talked about Captain Nog before. If you can't get there tonight, and again, that's at 8.30 Pacific, 11.30 Eastern. If you can't get there tonight, either go to uh, uh, podcast.roddenberry.com or go wherever you get podcasts and, uh, and do Priority One. Uh, because uh, it's just a fantastic show and they'd love to have you on there live or they'd love to have you check it later. Uh, just like we say as well. Can we go, can we go all the way back? This is kind of, um, kind of where I started. Like, how did you get into acting? Mm-hmm. The, the one thing that I'm wondering about is uh, Leonard Nimoy, uh, William Shatner, everybody who was on TOS had no idea that this was the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. Right. Because it's a show mm-hmm. and they'd done shows before and maybe the show would last and maybe it wouldn't. And shows come and shows go. By the time DS9 comes, Star Trek is Star Trek all caps. Mm-hmm. I mean, even even if it only got one season, you would always be yeah, the guy who was on that Star Trek show. Right. Were you conscious of that? And I mean, going into it and and then how much more has that picked up just since the documentary? Yeah. Uh, no, I was not conscious of it, to be honest with you. Uh, when I got the audition, to me, it was just another audition for a show. It was uh, as a recurring guest star, uh, or really at that point, I think it was just a guest star uh, for the pilot. Um, and I remember going into the audition and I didn't watch TNG. I wasn't, uh, to be honest, I remember coming out and going, eh, it doesn't look like something I'm in that interested in. I was a fan of the original series. But then, you know, I'm going through my, my late teens, early 20s, and I'm really focused on my acting career. So I'm not, I'm not, yeah, I just was not interested in TNG, believe it or not. So when the show and the audition came around, I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm going out for Star Trek. I just thought, oh, great, I got another audition. I hope I get it. Uh, and I went in to uh, pick up the sides. Sides are what we read at the audition, uh, a scene or two or three, depending on what they want us to read. And it was the scene where I meet Jake. 
uh, on the promenade. And when I went in to meet Ron Serma, he first asked me, do you know what a Ferengi is? And I go, uh, yeah, no, I have no idea what a Ferengi is. He goes, okay, okay. And he, he goes over to his pile and it's ruffling through and he pulls out an old VHS tape and goes, here, watch this. And here's the script, read it. And I went, okay, great. So I went home, put in the last outpost, read the script, watching the last outpost. I was like, oh my gosh, that's what I'm going out for. Oh my God. How do I, how do I do that in an audition? You know, and I, and that's Armin Sherman and a couple others and they have a whip. Yeah. Fortunately, I did not bring a whip to the audition. I think if I would have done that, I wouldn't be here talking to you today. Um, I did not bring any props, but it was very strange to kind of be like, ah, you know, I'm hunched over and I'm like, I know who you are, human, you know? And, um, and I go, okay, well, that's it. So I go to the audition. I only had two auditions. Uh, and I remember the first audition I came in, uh, David Livingston, I believe was sitting in the middle. Everybody else was fanned out. There was one table, one chair, kind of like how I'm facing all of you right now. And I'm just sitting there going, Oh man, this is really intimidating. All right. This is great. Here we go. And David Livingston says, Oh, I, I, uh, if I'm correct, you have a worm inside your body. I go, uh, no, I'm playing Nog, not the trill. I don't have a worm in my body. And he goes, and I go, Oh, oh baby. No, because essentially I did my work. I did my homework. I read the script. So any actors out there, they give you the script, read the script, prepare, do the best you can, give it all you got. And so I did it on the first audition, nailed it, left. They brought me back for the second audition. I didn't think it was as good as the first one, um, but I still did, a, I, I guess, a decent job because I'm here today as, as Nog, and, uh, and the rest is history. Even working on the show, I really didn't think like, oh, my God, I'm on Star Trek. I have, I, I think I would tend to think a little bit too, at least at the time, I, I think I would now, working class mentality. I got a job, do my best before they, if I don't do my best, they're not going to bring me back. I may not even come back even if I do the best. So make the most of what I've got right now. So I looked at every episode like that. And when I got to the seventh season on the final episode, I thought, I guess I'm here for the long haul. So nice. Right. Hey, really quickly. Uh, of course, we've talked a lot about the documentary. I want to let people know uh, you and Sirak are actually talking about your time on deep space nine as well. What is the name of your podcast and where can people find it? Ah, so hopefully you're all paying attention. It's called The Seventh Rule, a podcast. It is a rule of acquisition. I wish I could get Earl to say, tell us what that that uh, acquisition is, but I know he's not on. John, Ken, do you know what The Seventh Rule is? Uh, oh, uh, oh. Don't count your chickens before they hatch. Yeah, I uh, No. We don't uh, have chickens on Franginar. Never, ne- never BS a BS, sir. I'm, no. I'm keeping that clean for the. No. You're going to be <laughs> very jealous, you two. You're going to be very jealous, Ken. Give Which, it your best shot. No, I, I, I don't know. No, anybody on Facebook? Anybody giving an answer no. on Facebook? <laughs> no. <laughs> Keep your ears open. Uh, oh, oh see, that's nice. perfect. How perfect, perfect is that? Yeah. And actually, as you guys are on season three, we are starting with season one. I have never actually watched DS9 all the way through. Um, and so um, we're really excited to go through the show and talk about not only our feelings about the show and and how we see it, and how we feel about it, but our experiences on the show. Uh, nice. And uh, it's a lot of fun. And you know what, Ciroc, 
He's so wonderful. He's so thoughtful. He's so intelligent. And I love listening to what he says. What he said about Far Beyond the Stars last night was so beautiful. How, how it's about the giving everybody the opportunity and the ability. I don't know if he said ability, but the opportunity to dream. We all deserve to dream, to have hope. And Ciroc, said that and I man I just wanted to give him a hug. So it's such a it's so much fun to have guests and uh hopefully we can be as suave and as cool as you guys with with this great setup you got and 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 we can uh you know continue to support each other. This was so wonderful to come on the show with you guys. Maybe I'll have to come back and tell about the dance because I know we're at the end of it. Yeah, uh, yeah, we, we have to do that. I apologize to you uh, for running long. I apologize to Patrick. We didn't get to your call. But look, uh, it, this is the start of, uh, of a long and beautiful friendship. So we'll do this again. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Mission Log Live is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment, executive producer Rod Roddenberry. Technical production on Mission Log Live is by the incomparable Earl Green. Be sure to visit podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest from the podcast network, including not just Mission Log, but Mission Log Live, Women of War, Priority One, The Trek Files, and the newly launched Daily Star Trek News. If you'd like to support Mission Log directly, you can give us a look at patreon.com slash mission log. Find items there. Thank you to everyone who joined us live or later, and we will talk to you next week. podcast.roddenberry.com The Roddenberry Podcast Network